1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
2: Good evening. After a tricky start, it was all all right in the end. <laughs> I'm not talking about Manchester City. I am in fact talking about ourselves. We got there. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, and i have joined by my very good
0: friend, Adam. Hey, Rory, how are you this evening? As ever, we tried to be as smooth as ice, but we were probably the opposite there. But never mind, how was your weekend? Yeah, It was a complete
2: disaster on the football pitch, I'll be honest, and the Saturday afternoon was pretty grim viewing, but it's been terrible weather in Milan recently, but yesterday was beautiful, so I feel a bit of new energy. I kind of feel like the end of the season has snuck up on me. Have you can? Is mm, it? Is yes, it re- have yeah. you realised yet that we've got like one game left? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna have to like do shit on my weekend soon.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, no. I've noticed this because Wick Wonders obviously finished their season mm-hmm. a bit earlier this time, so starting to find these weekends are uh, freeing themselves up suddenly. And uh, yeah, I'm getting that distinct feeling of. Oh, it's on the horizon. What do we do now? What? Yeah. There's no World Cups. There's no Euros. Yeah. What do we do? It's like, been so long that we've not had
2: any, like without, like with a period of no football, that I'm not sure how I'm actually going to cope. I'm already, I thought, I saw myself, or I found myself Googling which leagues run over the summer. And I'm like, okay, there's the Alspenskan <laughs> in Sweden. Yeah. I can yeah. watch a bit of like Elite Syrian in Norway. Like maybe I'll have to try and find something. I'm gonna to have to get my fix somewhere. But guys, welcome to the show. Adam, <laughs> yes, how's your weekend as well, by
0: the way? It was very good. Thank you. We were reminiscing offline about how beautiful the weather was. So uh mm-hmm. yeah, definitely took in some sights as we went along. But uh yeah, more of a chilled out weekend. Um, but Rory, nice. lots of football to talk about and as as we're talking right now the news came through it trickled through we kind of hinted about this on friday but juventus have been docked points so incredible right um just incredible and uh yeah just to see juventus now go into seventh place and as we speak even now rory um empoli are beating juventus 2-0 in the league which is Oof. incredible um, let's hope it continues. And as you spoke to me as well, Massimo Allegri is confirmed for the next season as well. So uh Juventus fans must be rejoicing right now as we speak.
2: It is a rough night to be a this evening, a very, very rough night. Well, it never rains, it pours, does it? It never rains. <laughs> yeah. Um we will, I'm sure we'll find time to talk about that and how it affects Arsenal because I have had an eye on how it will affect Arsenal. We will get there, but Two stories that caught our eye this weekend before we mm. kick off the main show. One, um, I'll start with the nice one, and then we'll go to the funny one. I think we'll start with the heartwarming <laughs> yes. one. Um, hero of the game, legend of Calcio and Serie A, Domenico Criscito is fi- is mm. finally retiring, is retiring this weekend. Um, an incredible career. Um, he made five hundred and forty-one career appearances, 52 goals. From a defender and 42 assists. Um, of course, 99% of them were penalties. And he did get a penalty in his last game of his career in front of the Genovese against Bari, unfortunately, in a game mm. that had everything. Kadira, our boy, scored an yeah. absolute banger, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Genoa ran out four, three winners, Crescito getting the winner. And in front of the Genovese, he did end his speech saying, Dear football, I love you, dear Genoa. I love you. And I just wanted to give a second for a shout out for this absolute legend of Serie A and someone who stuck with Genoa when they went down purely just so that you could get them back in Serie A. Um, It's a beautiful story, right? And he's managed to
0: do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is beautiful, especially when you remember the backdrop, which was obviously Mm -hmm. in that January transfer window was bought in just more of an emergency measure measure at the time. Um, Just done it for the love of the club and, yeah just to see him complete this magnificent kind of hallmark or you know just milestone i suppose um mm-hmm. just credit to the guy and yeah i'm sure Genoa would love to keep him for one more season but yeah let's let's more. see how it goes on one more season one, go on you yeah one more one come more on anything go. in Serie a. come on
2: i also i was i was kind of looking into his career a little bit I didn't realize it. he was in Russia with um, Spalletti, and he yeah, won the he was. Russian yeah, Premier League with Zenit. He won everything in Russia. To yeah. be fair, I was looking up. I was just doing a bit of research. I was like, "Damn, I forgot about that." So yeah, nice, decent little career there for Domenico. Um, but going up to Serie a, and the most on-brand thing in the world—it it was seen on Twitter this week in a Mourinho press conference. He kind of flashed his phone screen um, to a, a journalist. And of course, his wallpaper was uh, an illustration of himself as the Emperor of Rome on a throne, <laughs> holding the Conference League with the Champions League and the Europa League behind him. It might be the most on-brand thing, Mourinho thing I've ever seen, but it instantly made me love him more. <laughs> I wish you love this story; it's just incredible, right?
0: It is beautiful. It's typical Mourinho as well, isn't it? Just to drum up a bit of, Like just interesting to him, if anything. But um yeah. just love how he seems to spin it and you know take the attention of his team by just doing some stupid shit like this. It's just <laughs> just classic Mourinho. I I I kind of miss that side now in the Premier mm-hmm. League. Like it is weird to say because the football wasn't the most enticing, as Roman fans have had to endure this season, but Look, he's making something of a legacy at Rome as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it like again, eh? yeah, it feels exactly. like he's enjoying he himself again. Yeah, it feels like he's enjoying himself. And he, yeah.
2: Uh, sorry, yeah. And it, it doesn't look like yeah. he's sleeping in his car, Mourinho anymore. And usually, like when he was at United, <laughs> and Chelsea, and Spurs, he looked like he was sleeping in his car at a certain yeah. point. He's starting to like he's having fun again. Um, but. This show, as you said, Adam, absolutely packed this Mm -hmm. week. We do need to talk about, in the Premier League, we're going to talk about Man City doing the three-peat. The dream is officially dead. Um, We're going to talk about Nottingham Forest with an incredible win to secure their Mm -hmm. safety in the Premier League. We're going to talk about all the action down at the bottom. West Ham with no hangover. We we got the question to our Declan Rice hangover. We got the answer even to our Declan Rice hangover uh, question. And we're going to talk about just how bad leads are. I'm um, yes. going to see what we think the relegation picture looks like. Adam, what
0: are we going to be talking about in Serie A? So in Serie A, we had the big game that was Lecce versus Spezia. Unfortunately, Rory, it wasn't your sadistic... Oof. One point anyway, there was no no goals, there was no sending offs really in this match. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing to write about. So we'll talk more importantly, a bit similar to the Premier League, about that relegation battle, what that actually means. Um, But also we'll talk about the top of the table, Rory, because in light of that Juventus kind of docking points, I think it mixes it up now because I think what we probably had pre-scripted has probably been screwed up now and we have to rethink Mm -hmm. about it on the spot now and have a look at these um, positionings because it actually puts Milan in a more favourable position than they were previously. Same with the likes of Lazio, for example. Obviously, Lazio got an important win against Udinese. We'll talk about Chiro. And what a record he's created for himself as well. Um, But more importantly, I suppose Inter versus Napoli. What a close match that was! Because despite the scoreline, despite the scoreline, it was ruined by one player that I know, Uncle Sharma. Cannot wait to see the backside of. So yeah, there are Twitter accounts counting the days. (laughs) Yeah, there are. Yes, counting the days. days. (laughs) But yes, well, Well, that's great,
2: and of course, of course, we are going to be talking about. Spalletti versus Di La Ventis as well, which is the big, yes. big story around yeah. Napoli. Is it all falling apart already? But guys, we are going to go for a very quick break and we will come back with some Premier League action. And welcome to the Premier League section. <laughs> There's a weird stuff I'm not sure why. <laughs> and to start with, we are going to start at the top of the table and we're going to start with Man City Getting a routine one 0 mm-hmm. win against Chelsea yep. with a heavily heavily rotated team, um, I'm going to say that this might be the strongest bench fielded in Premier League history. If I take you through <laughs> the Man City bench here, it was uh, Stones, Haaland, Rodri, KDB, Edison, Diaz, Gundogan, Silva, and Grealish all on the bench. That might that was those nine players would have beaten Chelsea's eleven on the pitch. I think mm-hmm. uh, strongest bench ever seen. I think, but Adam. How comfortable was this for City? And uh, I hate to say it, but they, they deserve it, right? They completely deserve the league title. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think we'll talk about the season another time, but just to talk about this particular match, um, yeah, I think there's a contrast between the stars of this two teams. So obviously mm. you've got Man City that have been able to put this second strong or second-sided team, let's put it that way, um, still strong enough to compete. It's you know, I think if you put that team in the Premier League, there'd probably be at least sort of top half of the uh, league i would imagine um and then you've got the contrast of chelsea who've probably spent more than man city this season have no clue they've got a manager that's very clueless um style just doesn't make any sense every time chelsea got the ball forward then they played it back um just even Asper Coletta and the lights of asper lager they didn't know what to do with the ball half the time because there was no one up top there's no one to kind of get it into the channels they just really lack any kind of ideas. And Rory, I've got this fascinating stat for to you and obviously our listeners and viewers. Chelsea have lost six consecutive games against Man City without scoring a single goal in the, for the first time in the club's history. So they've conceded ten goals in those six matches not scoring one, one single goal Rory that is painful and yeah that's over a It makes number me feel better Manchester, about Arsenal's to be
2: record I'll be honest It makes me feel <laughs> yeah, better exactly. about Arsenal's record definitely
0: But yeah it is painful at the moment but yeah kudos to Man City strong end to this season and um I think obviously a lot of people were making out that it's all down to John Stones and that transformation of him playing more in that kind of central Mm -hmm. midfield role, also kind of giving those kind of pivots, being able to kind of draw people in when they least expect it, but also allowing him to be the kind of cover duty as well at centre-back. So yeah, I mean that just goes to show because I think they showed the record since the change of formation, they haven't lost a game and Mm -hmm. that was prior to January. So I mean, just to see players like Jack Grealish bomb on this season—it's been incredible. Um, I don't know where we start with this Man City side, but you've seen it as well. I mean, it's just how it's, do you compete? Um, and I'm sure that's the second debate, isn't it? How do you compete? We have a team that is supposedly cheated away with finances. Well,
2: but... what sums it up for me is that Calvin Phillips made his first start of the season yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah he they spent 50 million yeah. on him and like i know that i've seen a lot of city fans like kind of piping up about you know, they do have youth products that are coming through and a kanji yeah, yeah, was sure. a steal. Like they didn't spend a lot of money on a kanji. Yeah, they, they are yeah. very wily in the transfer business. In the transfer market, they are very good. They don't make bad signings, right? And right. that is brilliant. That is down to the scouting and this perfect infrastructure that is formed around yeah. this club where everything is perfect. The problem is the reason why everything is able to be perfect is because you can just leave a £50 million player on the bench and it doesn't matter. You can just wait. Like, no other club Mm. can do that. Like, when Arsenal bought Pepe, and it was quite clear that Pepe wasn't the player we wanted or needed or expected, we had to just stick with him for three years until we figured out how can we get past him. And it was a youth player that replaced him in the end. Like, we couldn't Mm. eat. We still haven't replaced him. It's like City have that ability to just be like, oh, no, we'll just get that now. We'll sit on that. We'll wait. We'll get them into the system, coach them through. And it's like, it's just... I saw someone, it was a United fan, but I saw them... Um, sum it up really well. They said when Ben Johnson got caught doping, he wasn't a like the drugs made him able to train that much harder that he could run that much quicker to win the Mm. game, to win the thing. Right? The steroids didn't make him run quicker, it was it, they allowed him to train more. That's what the money does for City, it doesn't allow them to, it doesn't make them win, but it makes everything around them, the environment around them formed that means their potential is so much higher than everybody else is and they can they just i don't think they get caught until Guardiola mm. goes i don't think they get caught and i think they yeah. could honestly have the league wrapped up next season by february yeah. like and i think I mean, we're at a point we're at a point now where competitiveness is starting to become a bit of an Mm. issue because i know united did it twice right where they went three back to back twice but it never felt like there was that absolute huge golfing class and it never felt like Mm. it didn't feel as uneven i don't know how you remember those days but it it didn't feel as like completely one-sided and completely like skew like skew with um in their favor like do you think it feels different with city now
0: it does feel a bit different, and I think it's the calibre of players that they've been able to bring into that squad. Because if you think about it, if they were to be sanctioned, let's say they're not allowed to buy players for the next, say, two seasons, so a bit like Chelsea had to do, Yeah, I think you could comfortably say they could cope with that players that they've got in their squad and not worry about it. They wouldn't yeah, have yeah, to worry yeah. about it at all. And, you know, they have got players like Haaland, for example, that can stay there for at least five to six years mm-hmm. and win everything for them they would not yeah. need to worry about anything unless they have drastically like a massive injury like issue basically KGB going on goes out or something. yeah yeah something like that then i really don't know where you can kind of look at the weaknesses in this squad because mm-hmm. they've got sufficient backups i mean yes they've got some really good youngsters coming through but that just like i suppose heightens what potentially could be a really good squad as well, going forward, mm-hmm. forward as well. Because we've seen the likes of Price, for example, coming into this squad as well. Um, there's loads of players. De Lap as well. Um, Palmer's another one. Palmer looks uh, very good. Very Lewis has had a great
2: season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So there's a number of them right now. So you think also the players that are coming back from loan spells as well. So Stefan mm-hmm. Stam, for example. I know yeah, some Man City yeah, yeah. fans aren't as keen on him as being a backup goalkeeper, but still... You're talking about some solid players still coming back from loan spells as well. So Yeah, scary. it's to be, scary. It's to be applauded to a certain degree as well. Like they of course
2: it is, is a yeah, perfectly yeah. it's an organization run to perfection and everything is perfect yeah. about it. See you have to stand there and just go, Yeah, fair play. Like absolutely fair play. And yeah. I think like obviously the Arsenal fan in me now now I know that it's Arsenal's fault that we are where we are. It's not City's fault. Like we've fucked mm. it completely, but we always knew. And I said it from the first day of the season: if this is going to happen, we need to be absolutely perfect because they are. Yes. <laughs> like, and if yeah, we're exactly. not absolutely perfect, we, there's wild. no way we do this because everything mm. they do is perfect, and they. I think it's the best Man City team we've ever seen. I think they are going to go on to do the treble. I can't see anybody. Like, I know we've talked about Inter maybe having a chance of an upset, yeah. but with your, with a sober head on, you go, well, who beats this city side really? Like, yeah, exactly. and the, the team that's come closest to them this season got spanked 8-2 on aggregate over two games. Yeah. Like, and we're the only team that's, if it wasn't for Arsenal, this league would have been done by January. Like yeah. maybe even earlier. Like, and that's, there was still that golfing class between us and them. So Mm. I think it's just, yeah, you have to just hold your hands up and say, absolutely fair play. Um, Mm. Grealish has been incredible. Um, Gundogan always does this at the end of the season, just suddenly appears and just starts banging goals. Um, John Stones has had the career of his life and this new role, I think has made him like five times the player he was and he already was one of the best centre-backs in the league. Like, I just think the coaching that Pep, he's just obviously an absolute genius Mm. and you just have to sit back and, I appreciate it really yeah. without and for a second not looking at everything else but just yeah. admiring it and going yeah absolutely fair play it is it is the peak of sport in performance that we're seeing there um mm. but but if i hear one more person tell me that holland only cost 50 million i'm going to put my fist <laughs> through my fucking phone cuz <laughs> how naive are you he did not cost you 50 million take one second to look at the contract and the bonuses and the stories around it he did not cost 50 million pounds anyway <laughs> it cost nearly double three times. It, I can yeah. right? but congratulations, City. Genuinely, genuinely, I don't want to sound like matey from Come Dine with me again. Congratulations, <laughs> City, really, an incredible title. Win. Um, the last couple of weeks, if they've taught me anything, is that is completely Arsenal's fault. Um, so I think it's probably time to talk about Arsenal, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, do we need to talk about Chelsea? Not really, do we? they, no, they not just...
0: really just depressing, isn't it? And yeah, over- yeah pochettino in there but yeah i it, it, let's not worry let's not dwell there's uh more stories that we can talk about yeah, so i think so sorry chelsea um <laughs> forest
2: the tricky trees forest are safe um their fans were singing 30 signings who gives a fuck the forest to stay <laughs> up which i did enjoy um Oh, my God, the atmosphere at the city ground. I'm that sorry, every time, I've, every time I've seen that stadium on telly, I'm like, yeah, this place kicks off a straight away. Yeah. I think within four minutes of the kickoff, I tweeted, this is going to be a long 90 minutes. And it was a long 90 <laughs> minutes, yeah. a very, very long 90 minutes. But before I talk about Arsenal, I want to give Forrest their absolute plaudits and Steve Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, some players that stood out to me. Now, obviously, with those 30 signings, it's been very difficult to keep up with the Forest squad yeah. and who is in there. Now, Nia Karte, I've never heard of him. He is fucking huge. And yes. he absolutely bossed us for 90 minutes. I could not believe it. I honestly felt like I'd never seen him before in my life. He was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, like the partnership of Danilo and Gibbs White on the transition yes. were absolutely yeah. killing us. We could not get near him. I was really impressed with Danilo. I'm watching that. I could see why Arsenal were linked with him in the summer. And I think we were mm-hmm. kind of tempted to go for him. But in the end, um, I think we went for someone else. Um, but yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable player him. And then Awane, uh, the key man at the end of the mm. season, five goals in his last three games. A, a striker yeah. that's not really a striker, doesn't really. He always looks like he can't really play football, but he's <laughs> been absolutely crucial. A bit of a fortunate finish here, as Gabriel gave him a bit of a helping hand. But he did yeah. make it one nil on the break. Arsenal never got close. Is this the? message to all the Premier League teams to not panic and stick with your manager? Because Forrest have been massively rewarded for sticking, for, for sticking with Steve Cooper.
0: I think so, to an extent. Uh, I think you've got to have the right footballing philosophy, and you've got to have the right kind of attitudes in terms of how you're going to go about your business, right? So I think mm-hmm. There's plenty of times during this season where it would have been easy for chairman to have sacked that manager. For example, Steve Cooper in particular kind of reminisced about the early stages of the season where obviously they brought in a lot of players off the back of the coming up through the playoffs. And then, yeah, I think there was that difficulty of like adapting to the league one part, but the second part was that they were trying to have a certain style of football, but it never really came to fruition. So there's a combination of they had to realise that they had to battle in certain games Mm -hmm. and utilise certain players for certain matches as well. So I think now they've come to that point at this point in the season where they've started to understand which players actually work best and give them probably the best harmony, I suppose is the right word, because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you need players that aren't necessarily maybe the most technical or the most flashiest or audacious players, but you need someone that's going to actually work hard for the team, get the ball and release it to those players that are a bit more kind of wizardry or more technical, like your mm-hmm. Morgan Gibbs-Whites, for example, Brennan Johnson, for example. Um, and the fact that he's had that kind of amount of players has probably works in their favour as well, because it's allowed them to rotate the team a lot more. So I yeah, think yeah. if you compare it to some teams that naturally come up, they'll have a base of at least 18 players, right? But thereafter, they kind of do struggle the the quality in depth does kind of drop off a bit so i think they've been luckily kind of maybe they sort of geared themselves up for that they knew there was Mm -hmm. going to be that golfing class um the fact that they brought in the likes of navas as well in the january transfer window was a massive coup at the time considering you had dean uh, henderson as well like there's no we were laughing at the time we were like do
2: they know you can only play one
0: goalkeeper (laughs) exactly (laughs) but he was incredible again Yeah, exactly. So I think they've managed to pull off these incredible signings. Like we know about Freyla as well at Mm Atalanta. He's not had a great start. He's not had a great start to his career there. But I mean, the fact that they were able to poach these kind of players was testament to the recruitment. And I appreciate the recruitment's been scrutinised at Forest. But actually, fair play to uh, Steve Cooper to get the best out of these style Mm -hmm. of players as well at the end of the day. So I'm sure in the summer, they've actually got now a solid break where they can evaluate who they're going to keep, who they're going that's to going want to, long, to bring in. That's going to be a long it's day. Going to be a meeting. lot Steve of Cooper movement. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then there's been these rumors about whether Steve Cooper wants to still be there. Mm-hmm. Now, by all accounts, looking at the celebrations, I think he wants to stay there. I yeah. think he's going to be there for the long haul. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and the chairman probably- seems to speak him up as well. If I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw the interview after the match, but, yeah, he was pretty confident. He knew what he was doing. And he's probably been used to batshit crazy stuff at Olympiakos himself. So we know about his guns at half-time <laughs> yeah, well, and I stuff know. like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we never saw that at the City ground. But um, Rory, we have to also talk about the performance and say, what the hell were Arsenal playing at? And what was Arteta playing at? Because that was Kivor at left-back, Arteta at right-back. I mean... What was the thinking going on? And I think you you brought out the perfect meme. It was the Barclays card advert, which was basically some walking over fifties playing walking football, <laughs> which it was basically. I mean, there was more oh intensity God. in a over fifties game than there was in this. To be fair, it was
2: um, brutal. Dreadful. It was brutal from the from the second the lineup was announced. I was like what the hell is Arteta doing? I was like, and it was, Arsenal Twitter was just people trying to figure out what the frig the formation <laughs> exactly. was. It's like, well, he can't be playing part of your right back. He must be playing Xhaka left back and then, you know, that kind of makes sense and then, yeah. okay. <sighs> I don't know what, but at a ground that we haven't won our last three visits there. We've been yeah, knocked out of the FA Cup twice yeah. and we've lost there now this time. I don't know why you would decide this is the game to take a risk against a team that are fighting for their lives, right? Mm-hmm. We knew Forest weren't just going to turn up and be like, oh yeah, we're a shite side. They were going to give us a game. I don't get yeah. why you'd choose this game to be like, let's go all avant-garde and try something we've never <laughs> done before. I don't understand God, it was just from the first whistle. I was like, yeah, we're losing this. This is never going to fucking happen. Um, I thought there was so much wrong with it. Thomas Partey, I cannot say it anymore how little I want him in the team. And it's not just his performances, but his performances don't fucking help Mm. either. Like the guy's been absolutely atrocious since he came back from the World Cup, really. The guy's been Mm. fucking dog shit at right back. And we kept insisting on putting every attack down the right. I (laughs) I just At one point I tweeted, do we want to just try and go down the left? Do we want to just give it a go? Like, give it go. Just, yeah. just see if it works. And then we got down the left and we actually got a ball across. Trosso was a bit tricky. We got a ball across. I was like, okay, right. So, oh no, we're going back to the right again, back to the right again, back to the right again. And what Arteta did, one of the biggest strengths of our team this season has been Saka and White's partnership, right? Mm. Saka and White have been absolutely vibing off each other. White's been one of the best right backs in the league. I still think he should have been ahead of Trippier in team of the season. Like he's been unbelievable. Um, but... Arteta broke that up to try this new thing with Partey. It obviously didn't work. Ben White still was our best player on the pitch, because no matter where you put him, he's going to be your best player on the pitch. I cannot speak highly enough of the bloke. He's just fucking amazing. Um, But he was the best player in the pitch when everyone else was dog shit. Um, Mm. I think Saka, he's played 70-odd games now in a row for Arsenal. We need to rest him. What's what'll happen is what happened to Wilshire and we'll just run him into the fucking ground and he'll be dead by 25. Like we just, we need cover for him because again, for him since the international break, he's been dead. There's just nothing mm. left in him. And I, I completely get it. The guy's played football for two years straight. Like the yeah. guy is tired. Um, yeah. I think Xhaka, it was really bad timing for this story to come out that he's leaving. We could have just waited till the end of the season Like He did not have a great performance. Him and Jorginho in the midfield together is not a good thing. Um, I think Jesus... I would have him as a winger, as a number 10. I don't think Mm -hmm. he's a striker. He doesn't have that physical presence. Um, He's not able... We need, another, we need another option up front. And Enketia is just a worse version of Jesus. Yeah. So when the game's not going our way, we're not able to change it. Um, against Joe Worrell and the defenders that they had, who all had incredible games, yeah. by the way, we needed a physical presence that was going to disrupt yeah. them, not, not someone who's going to fall down every time they get within a foot mm. of them, which is what Jesus did. But that being said, we should have had a penalty. I do not know how that, shouldn't, how that wasn't a penalty. That's a stone more penalty. I don't get why it's not given, but fine. Um, But we didn't deserve anything from the game. It was nah. a disgusting performance. And the whole thing, I don't know. There's so much. I don't know what Emil Smith-Rowe has done to piss off Arteta. Like, Vieira looks like he's eight stone wet, gets pushed over every time the ball goes near mm-hmm. him. Yeah. cannot get in ahead of him. Like, I just... I. It feels like Arteta's kind of lost it towards the end of the season. I still love him. Obviously, This season has been incredible, mostly down to him. I just think towards the end of the season, he's completely lost it and panicked. Uh, How does it
0: look to you? Because it it was a weird team selection. It was very weird. And I don't know what the thinking was, if that makes sense, because even the players didn't look comfortable in what they Mm. were doing. So it's not like something that they practice in the training ground and gone, you know, this might kind of ruffle their feathers, might play into our hands. It was just weird, completely just strange. And like you say, the performance was lackluster. There was just no enthusiasm. It felt like, as well. I think the players are just burnt out. It felt like. Yeah. I don't know. You know, when you get to that point of the season where you've just had, like, you've been playing football constantly the same way. Just like you say, just needed a different approach. But this wasn't that approach. It wasn't mm-hmm. the way they should have played. They should have played it nice and safe, played to their strengths. But it didn't for some reason. Like Arteta had this kind of, and I was. Kind of thinking this as he was speaking about this, this feels like when Pep overthinks things and, you know, like that final that he did against Chelsea (laughs) where he he had certain players left out. Um, This felt like one of those occasions where Arteta has just overthought it and tried to be too clever and actually, yeah, got himself undone. And like you say, actually for a number of weeks, Arteta's got it badly wrong. He's done the calls really badly wrong like we've been calling out Kivor should have been brought into the team mm-hmm. a lot sooner. Jorginho replacing Partey should have been brought in a lot sooner. And I appreciate there's some positives and negatives, you know, when it comes to those type, type of players being brought in, but he needed to rotate the players. And yeah. Saka's is a good example of that, where actually could he have benefited from just a rest in one or two of those games prior to the build up? Like I'm sure there could have been some leeway there. And like you say, Emil Smith-Rowe, don't know what he's done. But again, yeah. doesn't feel promising for his career at the moment at Arsenal because he can't get into the squad. So uh... I would
2: be absolutely gutted if we let him go. Honestly, i will be mm. absolutely gutted. He's such a pleasure to watch. He's such a promising player. He's absolutely like 100% Arsenal. If we let him go, we are fucking mm. idiots. Like there was... There's also rumours that Arteta's is trying to train him as a number eight, so kind of put him into right. Granit, Granit Xhaka's position, and this is why he's not getting much game time at the minute. But I think I also think when there's nothing really on the line in games, that's would play. Why not just chuck him on for the yeah. last 20 minutes of a game where we're losing? Like, Just see see if he can do it. And the yeah. amount of time Smith-Rowe in his career has come off the bench and scored for Arsenal yeah, exactly. is a bit mad. Yeah. Like, So I don't know. I'm hoping it's because there's some tactical shift and not because he's about to sell him. Because I think it would be a huge, huge mistake when we're looking for creativity in midfield. That's what we're mm. trying to get this summer. We've yep. got one right there. So I don't know. It was a really, really frustrating afternoon. I was really pissed off. Um, but it was so blatantly obvious it was going to happen. We've not won mm. there in fucking ages. And yeah. I think even when Forrest got promoted, I was like, well, there's an away loss next year because it's <laughs> just typical fucking Arsenal. But yeah. again, congratulations, Forrest. Unbelievable season. Like for them mm. to be able to stay up with a game left to go, I yeah. think it's like a nice little, they can have the party, they can have the celebration. A great addition to the Premier League, proper Premier League club, history, etc. cetera. Um, Yeah, good on him. Absolutely love it. Gibbs White, all of it. Brennan Johnson, really, really enjoying a lot of the players down there. So, um, yeah, and really did want to give another shout out for Joe Warrell because I thought he was unbelievable.
1: Mm, Yes. Um,
2: But staying up towards the top of the table, I wanted to very quickly talk about a huge, huge story. And we need, first, I almost forgot. I need to take this away. And we need to take a little trip down memory lane for some quotes from a certain pundit. Here we go.
1: I think it's a risk. You know, you're bringing someone in who um, doesn't know our game um, because of <clears throat> modern technology. You can Google. He said he was impressed with, with um, his knowledge of Brighton and what they've done and the way they attempt to play. Well, they could have got that off Google, most of it. But it's, so, his, it's his business to know yeah. the game here. Isn't so, it? So, they all yeah. do, Graham. Listen, he's going for an interview. So he spends a couple of hours on the internet. That's, up, right. Get, That's right. That's right getting He's as on. much information as you possibly can. So that's not the work of a genius. I, I, I think it's a risk. I have to say, I think it's a risk bringing someone with his CV, the seven jobs in nine years. Um, if you're an outstanding coach, then people want to hold on to you. Know, it's a bit like being a player. If you're a player that had you know, 15 clubs, 12 clubs, that's telling a lot about you. It's saying that people, you know, if they want to keep you, they'll keep you because you're a really good player, a really good type round the, around the place. You get someone... It's like when you spend a lot of money on a football player, You want, mm. ideally you want someone who's played in your league, scored goals in your league, um, been consistently very good in your league, um, no surprises, injury free. Doesn't know the players and and the question I asked about what football people are going to be at the club to, to help them and who will need help, I think that's very important. That's a big risk.
2: Well, a real meeting of minds there as (laughs) Graham Souness, we all know who he's talking about. He is, of course, talking about Roberto Deserbi, the idolo of this podcast. How dare you, Graham? How dare you? We knew he was going to smash it up. Well, Brighton have now qualified for Europe in the first time in their history. Mm -hmm. We don't know which form of Europe it's going to be yet, but they will be in Europe um, they got a comfortable 3-1 win over Southampton. Evan Ferguson, my guy, getting yeah. two goals. The great hope of Irish football. And nothing better happened to him, I swear. <laughs> two beautiful finishes from him. Um, incredible season from Brighton. And just how much humble pie do talk sport have to try not to eat now?
0: Oh, massive amounts! Massive amounts! It's so it's going to be a massive like pie parks outside <laughs> of Talksport headquarters, and I'm sure the likes of Jamie O'Hara will uh, enjoy eating it tonight. Um, but. um to be fair i mean Deserbi has actually proved a lot of doubters wrong as well in the process mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people not just in the uk but also back at home in italy probably yeah. weren't too sure about his choice of club here um thinking potentially the worst that this might not go his way um but i've heard a interesting uh interview with paul barber today actually on a podcast by our very good friend Jake Humphreys, as you can imagine. Um, but oh, what, it's what I a lovely weekend about for Jake was, as
2: well. This. I know, I know. <laughs> we've got a few
0: things in our WhatsApp group about him. Um, but the uh, most important bit that I got was the the actual meeting with the and how his kind of nature came across to Paul mm. Barber, who's the CEO of Brighton, because he said, unlike Graham Potter, who was a bit more methodical, talking about what can the club do for him? He was talking about what he could do for the club and how he could progress it. And an interesting bit was also a conversation that Paul Barber had with Jason Steele, who's the current, obviously, uh, okay. Brighton goalkeeper. And he said uh, there was a certain match that they played this season. I think it was Stoke City that he reminisced in the cup game. And he said mm. zerby told Jason and the rest of the guys how it would be played out. And he specifically talks about one moment about how they were going to score a goal because the way he kind of works it out, he's almost like a chess kind of player. When you think about one move, then he thinks like three or four moves ahead. So therefore he goes, apparently this conversation happened between Paul Barber and Jason Steele, which was, he said, you're going to play it like this, but Stoke City are going to do this. So therefore you've got to do X, then Y, and then Z, and then goal will score. And he said that actually happened. It freaked him out. And he said it was a bit like poetry. It's like it yeah, was just yeah. motion happening in front of him. But it was everything that they practiced on the training ground. It was to that letter, everything that he said would happen actually played out. And it was just fascinating to kind of have that Imagine kind of depth knowledge and just to think, right, that is the level of like a Pep Guardiola isn't it? That, that is that what we're talking about with De Zerbi. He, he's methodical, he's meticulous, he kind of instills a lot of confidence in the players as well. Mm. You can see that on the way they're playing. Matoma, for example, Solly March, we talked about how great those two have played this season. And just to see it kind of unfold in terms of their performance, and now they're in Europe, is amazing, absolutely amazing. So, so many plaudits for De Zerbi. I hope it continues. And just the fact that he's being able to also embrace those younger players like your even fergusons your bonettis Mm -hmm. now for example coming into this squad filling in for the duties of that first 11 and just showing how it's done i mean even ferguson now looks like an assured player that can definitely play for any of the top six the way he's performing especially on that performance against southampton i mean i know the first one you could maybe say alex mccarthy in the southampton goal should do better but that finish was just incredible and so was a second
2: yeah the way he's just a nuisance every time like I feel like yeah. and I'm, I feel like he's a striker that Alex Ferguson would have loved Evan Ferguson yeah. I feel like he yeah. would have been picked up by United straight away I, I just feel like he's that kind of slightly old school striker instinctive finisher puts himself yeah. about. I think he's genuinely. There's a lot in that lad. He's so exciting. But I think yeah. the players really, really love Desobry. I think you can tell that they're really enjoying them. They're enjoying themselves. They're enjoying this ride and where the hell it's going to go. Mm. Like they were very, very close to being in an FA Cup final. Like he's taken them to new levels. And yeah, it's been said before, but Graham Potter had them kind of here, and Desobry's pushed them way up here. Like I'm it's just, all, yeah. it feels like they've they've gone just so. So beyond expectations, and we know that they whoever they sell this summer because it looks like McAllister's going to Liverpool and Casado might go to yeah. Arsenal and whatever, like there might be a bit of a fire sale. But Brighton fans don't even have to panic So they're just like, Oh, we've got like five in the garage just waiting to come <laughs> yeah. out, it like, will be fine. Like, so it's just crazy what's going on there. I'm just super happy for the Brighton fans. I cannot wait to see them, hopefully, in the Europa League, but either is fine. Like, their fans are going to mm. love it no matter what. Seeing Brighton in a European competition is just going to be fantastic. So, Amazing. yeah, congratulations, Brighton! Unbelievable and deserved to be just he's getting linked, as I said before, he's getting linked with every single Italian job in his country, <laughs> yeah. like AC Milan getting linked to him on a weekly basis, and now yes. so on. Napoli, uh, more of that coming yeah. up later. Um, but we're going to leave. Brighton. there we're going to very very quickly talk about the european race elsewhere as we go liverpool against villa in what was actually a pretty thrilling game um one all i just wanted to say ramsey what (laughs) emery is getting hell of performances out of ramsey so i was looking at his stats um he's now got six goals and four assists i think since let me find it um Five goals and three assists since Emery took over, um, and he's been an ever-present pretty much. Um, I'm just always impressed by how his runs into space, like how he scored it. This game was yeah. like a late run at the far post. His finishing yeah. and the reading of the game are unbelievable. Um, and two other players that Emery has massively improved, Konza and Mings, were yes. absolute. Yeah walls at the back. Like I don't know if you saw the performance but I thought we've laughed at Ming's a little bit. But when he's on yeah, form he is a bloody good center back.
0: Yeah, and that's probably the reason why Southgate kind of trusted him for such mm-hmm. a long time in that England setup because he knows there's a performance in him. But the other player that I want to call out is Doug- Douglas Luiz as well. I think yeah. the, the way yeah, that he's playing right now. I mean he could easily just go into any of those top four clubs right now, and he'd just slot into their midfields right yeah. now. Uh, it's just incredible how he's not just defensively minded, but so skillful on the ball. He, he, mm-hmm. Like even when the, he's putting in those crosses into the box, they are dangerous. They are whipped in with intent. So, just yeah, superlatives for what Emery's doing, but also the players that they've got. I mean, they seem to be really like kind of fighting for the shirt right now, and. Displaying the kind of performances we maybe expected at the beginning of the season with Villa, because you saw what yeah, the yeah. kind of squad that Stephen Gerrard had assembled. Unfortunately, it never really kind of came to fruition because we know Stephen Gerrard doesn't have any tactics. But yeah, the fact that, you know, Uno Emery's got the best out of this squad and he's frustrating Klopp. Look, Klopp, you could see by his like remarks at the end of the match. It was quite funny, actually, just saying, what was this? Like, what was this football? It's I fucking like, love Klopp. Football, honestly, like... I love him. I love him. I <laughs> he got absolutely. properly rattled. So clearly, that's what you <laughs> have to do against Klopp. <laughs> it's just to wind him up. Make sure there's a lot of added time. I mean, you would have loved it um, at Wickham because the amount of added time we get down there is quite quite special <laughs> as well. To be fair, um, but yeah, no fair play. Um, yeah, Watkins seems a bit hot and cold at the moment. It has to be said as well. Mister Penalty. That, yeah, it's, really, it's
2: a little yeah. bit of a little bit of a worry that he's been in mad. He's been in crazy form recently i just think it's a bit yeah. of a blip in it but i think liverpool yeah. like put on enough pressure that i think they probably deserved a point overall yes, i think like overall, they yeah. really were pushing it villagers are like defended so so well um but i think liverpool probably got what they deserved we do yeah. have to very quickly as well say farewell to bobby Firmino. like yeah. his last game at Anfield. Um, beyond the memories of him scoring against Olsen every time he played against us, so I'm glad he's never going to be true. against us again. Like, just piss off, will you? But a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful player to watch. All the no-look passes and no-look finishes. I was going to say yeah. like a cult hero at Liverpool, but I don't think he is I a cult he hero. I think he is. He's just I've... a legend. I think he's just a club legend. Like I don't know.
0: We'll see. We'll see in years to come. But I do get the feeling that certain Liverpool fans do think he's been amazing in terms yeah. of beyond what he's done. But we'll, we'll see. I think it's one of those players that you won't miss until maybe like the season after yeah. where you start going, ah, oh, he would have done that. Basically, and I was quite—I'm quite curious. Where does he end up now? Because he hasn't said where he's going, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I think in any like clubs linked with him, so it feels like. He could say it it
2: in the Premier League, but yes, there is we are. Is
0: someone in Sardinia going to inter? come in for him? Inter? inter? Oh, get yeah, Bobby Firmino at Inter. That
2: would that be, would be a classic inter signing on a free, yeah. but on like 120 grand a week. That would
1: <laughs> yeah, be like
0: yeah. a classic inter signing. <laughs> we will speculate about another player, but we'll yeah. talk about that in yeah, the yeah. section.
2: You heard it here first, guys. Inter are getting Firmino in the summer. There we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, nice. We're going to move to the bottom of the Premier League. Uh, I realize we're overrunning a little bit, yes. but we do need to talk about oh we didn't even get to talk about spurs bloody hell um oh, we're, we're gonna go to the bottom <laughs> of the league as um breaking news leads are
0: absolutely atrocious
2: jesus christ that was bad <laughs> that was so bad i felt Apart so sorry
0: first for... five minutes first five, yeah. five minutes they were quite decent and then they kind of like just leggy so leggy just so just chasing shadows and it was just Yes, yeah. a
2: Leeds tweet, which was fucking brilliant. It was like, oh well, at least we're not overtrained anymore. We don't have to worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> it was, that was fucking brilliant, such a good tweet. Um, I I felt sorry for Ailing at one point. Yeah. I just I didn't know if he was having the worst game in history or if he was just doing everything on his own because he was blocking stuff and he was getting in the way. But then he was constantly out of position. I was like, major fucking like it was a rough. Rough watch for Leeds fans. I did feel sorry for him. But they did have a good start. Rodrigo scored an absolute mm. banger. And I thought, yes. okay, here we go. Right. Heads yeah, yeah. on. And then West Ham just absolutely strolled it at the end. Declan <laughs> Rice getting a goal at his last performance at the London Stadium. We'll see. Um a nice little finish as well. And then by the end of it, Bowen, that build up between Ings and Bowen was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I think Ings is a really good option up top there. He seems to bring in Bowen and um and Pakata really well. Yes.
0: Um and four nows as well actually, but yeah, we was yeah. so comfortable for West Ham, right? Yeah, definitely. And you've uh, missed the third goal as well because that's Paqueta doing some oh, incredible skill yeah. on that byline and then pulling it back for Lanzini to t- basically tap in. Um <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was just one of those. Paqueta is becoming one of my favourite players at the moment. What? Honestly, he's a pleasure. Incredible. To watch. Absolutely incredible. Um, But yeah, fair play to West Ham. Great performance and gives them confidence going for the, obviously, Europa Conference League final, which uh, hopefully we will have something lined up for you guys. Um, But more importantly, yeah, Leeds look atrocious. And I think, Rory, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick my neck and say, I think they're going down. Oh, I think they're going down. I think their only hope is that they've got Spurs.
2: I think that's their <laughs> yeah. only hope because frig me, it was like a morgue at the Tottenham Stadium. Like, we're not going to go into it as much as I really want to no, go into it. <laughs> it was fucking atrocious. So, I do think that Leeds, that's their only positive thing is that they've got Tottenham they've got Spurs. Yeah. And that it could just, if any team, is going to allow you to slap them 5 0. It might be. Spurs. It's probably Spurs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but elsewhere at the bottom, Everton in the 99th minute? I want <laughs> yes, to something say. stupid
0: like that. Um, yeah.
2: Yerry Mina getting a goal to make mm. it 1 all In a game that Everton dominated in general, I think they were the better side. They did kind of, they offered a bit
1: more
0: of a threat than Wolves, but is that the goal that keeps them up? <sighs> it's hard to say, isn't it? I don't want to kind of say, yes, it is but also I get this feeling that it might be one of those that they'll concede and then they'll go into relegation zone and then they might find themselves back up by the end of the 90 minutes. I don't know, Um, but it's just hard to say because you've got Leicester as well.
2: I'm just looking at the stats. I was like, oh, I'll check out Leicester are getting on. Right, It's nil-nil, but the statistics... Jesus Christ, 16 shots for Newcastle, two on target, 84% possession, <laughs> 453 passes. Leicester, zero shots, zero shots on target, 16% possession, 94 passes, 43% pass accuracy. Jesus H Christ, that is atrocious. So maybe Everton do still have a shout. If if, yeah. if Leicester don't win today, are they down?
0: um because it was three points off weren't they i think as it currently
1: Oh there's
2: two stood. points if they get so if they lose yeah they're three points behind everton so they'd have to win by six goals in the last game of the season. Yeah big ask. Yeah probably not, is it? No. Damn. Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, Everton Mina could have could have secured you safety but we'll see what happens in the last game in the last game of the season. Mm. Who do Everton have last? We should Bournemouth. know. Today. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Boom. That is a rough yeah. one. And then Leicester
0: are at home to West Ham. So, again, West Ham might rotate their squad, might rest a few players. It's so (laughs) tight to ask.
2: No matter what happens, there's a massive club going down, basically. Yes, like There's a gigantic club going down. But, guys, we're going to leave the Premier League there for now, I think. I really am gutted we didn't get to talk about Spurs. But we're going (laughs) to go to Serie A, and we're going to do our Calcio. Right after this, my name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo Italian pod. Buonasera, buongiorno, come stai? Welcome to the Anglo where Calcio Italian A part. That was great. Um, you're <laughs> gonna start where are we start starting in Italy, Adam. <laughs>
0: Should we start off by talking about the relegation battle in Italy as well? We might as well. We finished it off in the Premier League. We'll start off in Serie A. So yes, Rory, we saw on Sunday the big game that was Lecce versus Spezia. Finished 0-0. I think the highlight for me, I don't know about you, but it was the commentator saying (laughs) this was after Anzolo, Anzolo had a chance on goal. And he said, the first shot on target. And it was like was he being sarcastic? Like, <laughs> the, it was just amazing, absolutely amazing that he actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a terrible match. I couldn't um, have
2: been much more wrong, really. I couldn't no, have been much no. more wrong. I said, oh, there'll be goals. They'll both be fighting for it. Jesus Christ, that was dull. It was proper <laughs> dull. I apologize if you watch that because of me.
0: <laughs> Please do not get any mortgage advice from us yeah. in the future. Um, but yeah, it was a terrible match. So... um yeah, just, it doesn't really help either side, no, Rory. Just, That's the thing because maybe the only blessing was Hellas Verona losing three-one to Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Again, we thought maybe Atalanta might throw it, but they had Rasmus Hoyland back as well, so he played a part. He scored mm-hmm. a fantastic goal on the uh, volley, and as did Sabacosta. And yeah, then obviously, great um, yeah, Pasalic just chasing down the goalkeeper. He tries to be clever and loses the ball to Pasalic, who just taps it into the net. So. Yeah. This despite Hellas Verona taking the early lead as well. So, um, yeah, disappointing for Hellas. And it does feel like they've got a big ask. Because when you're looking at those fixtures now, Rory, I don't, I don't know which way it's going to go. But I, I feel like Hellas Verona have the tougher ask. Um,
2: yeah, Empoli t- at home is a tricky one. Because as we're seeing at the moment, Empoli are currently beating Juve 3-0 now. Um Jesus Christ and still Marin doesn't score anyway they are 3-0. <laughs> 3-0 up so that could be a tricky one for Verona and then as you said their last game of the season is Milan away they've given themselves a, a mountain to climb it felt like they were getting themselves out of it but that Atalanta game it, it kind of felt a bit like West Ham Leeds, not just because yeah. the score was the same but that early promise and then you concede one, and then the collapse. And then there was just very little offered afterwards. And I think they've just not got that. Obviously, with relegation teams, they very rarely have the ability to change the tide of a game. That's why they are where they are. But they just weren't able to, once Atalanta got that first one, they weren't able Mm. to try and push back and go again. There's still a lot of quality in that verona squad i think there's still there's play like some good good players in that squad yeah, yeah i just think the start to the season and then the managerial change like they changed yeah. the manager halfway through and stuff i think it had a bit of a boost but it's just been a, a bit like they've been fighting the tides the entire mm. season really um but yeah i imagine i imagine it will be them to be fair and both spezia and Lecce will be relieved by that i think yeah. um, because well Criminese went down this weekend right so it looks like spezia yeah. and Lecce should be out of it now i think they're now three points two games i think Lecce can just get over the line what do you think
0: yeah i, I would say on the balance of where i expect the results to go if that makes sense i, I think mm. when you look at Lecce, they've got monza they, in the next game and then the last game of the season, they are at home to Bologna. So it feels like they should get four points. I don't know about you, but that feels like four points on the board. Um, probably too easy for me to say that. But yeah, Spezia at home to Torino before they go away to Roma. And then, as we've speculated, Hellas Verona, maybe easy-ish tie against Empoli. But we can see they're winning 3-0 against Juventus. And then they've got to go away to Milan, who... You know, we we talked about it previously where Milan obviously might need that win just to secure the fourth place spot mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it, it's going to be a battle between them and Atalanta as it currently stands. I mean, Roma aren't out of the shout either, to be fair. I'm saying that quite casually, but I'm looking at Atalanta. They obviously got to take on Inter in the next game and that's at Inter, at San Siro and then at home to Monza. So again, it's not it's going to too be a tricky games. game.
2: Like it's two tricky games. Like Monza just keep winning. Monza just keep winning. They won again this weekend. Like they are a bloody tough side, and that's the one that I think for Lecce, because Lecce have got Mm. them coming up, right? I was just like, I can't keep all these. That's the one for Lecce where I think Monza away is such a, like, that's a loss straight away Mm. for a team like Lecce. I think Monza have been so great this season, on such a good run of form. So I think Lecce have to be targeting that Bologna game at home, because we've seen as much as Bologna have gone out and slapped Cremonese 5-1 this weekend, I've got so much bitterness towards Serie A this weekend. I've (laughs) left all my Bologna players on the bench, and I'm going to lose the title. But anyway, as much as Bologna have gone out and slapped someone, they will then just get battered 4-0 mm. the next weekend. Like, So I think that's the game that Lecce needs to target and be like, right, last game of the season, we just get something. Just take something from that game and then we'll be fine. Because if they get one point over the next two, I think they're fine.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. When you look at the fixtures, the one thing that I want to also kind of spin it is, it's going to be interesting, Roma's position as well, because mm. um, they've obviously got the Europa League They've also got to take on Fiorentina who might be coming off the back of Coppa Italia. So it could be very interesting to see how that plays out as well because, yeah, depends on whether the Viola are very confident after mm-hmm. whatever happens on Wednesday night against Inter. Um, and do they like give it a damn? Do they, do they rest some players ahead of that West Ham game? And then, yeah, going into that final game, needing potentially a win against Spezia. So... Ooh, it could there be quite, it could be quite spiky, right? That last there's day of still the season. a lot to play for. There's
2: still yeah. a lot to play for. I feel like and we've been quite lucky, despite the fact that the the title's been done for a while. Yeah, there is Just, so much. Everyone else is so close. Like if you mm. look at like seventh to second are separated by nine points. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty mad. Like yeah. and then you've got the bottom, however many separated by <laughs> two points. Like it is both ends are pretty exciting so i felt like there was plenty and plenty of drama selena Tanner have managed to pretty much pull themselves out of it legends mm. uh, <laughs> i think they are statistically safe now um but they managed to pull themselves out of it um yeah. but yeah i think that again i apologize if you watched like chase spezzi i just need to apologize again because it was absolutely, <laughs> you absolutely feel guilty now. awful um But elsewhere in Serie A, shall we go back up towards the top of the table? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I'm going to take us to the red and black side of Milan first, Mm. as Milan absolutely get back on the horse. 5-1 win. Now, if I tell you, this is why I'm so angry at Fanta Calcio, I was playing bottom of the table. He had in his team Giroud and Brahim Diaz.
0: Okay yeah now I I, see. I <laughs> left
2: I've left four goals on my bench this weekend. I've left Matic, Ferguson, Orsolini and Barrow on my bench. Oh, um no. <laughs> or not Barrow, someone else. I can't remember yeah. someone else, some other prick who scored. So I was really 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 angry at this Milan performance. But <laughs> Brahim Diaz has now I think he's had an unbelievable season. His numbers, Now I bookmarked one mm-hmm. of this and I'm going to give the um account a shout out because it's pretty mad. Um, at Milan-Zach 6, he now has 17 goals and assists this season. Um, and he's 20 years old. That's and mental. I've, I thought like, he was older than that. No, wait. Oh, no, no. He signed for 20 million. Sorry, how old is he? But regardless, he has had an incredible, incredible season. Um, mm-hmm. It's gone a little bit under the radar, but and I know it's against Sampdoria, but it was very, very impressive, right?
0: I thought he was impressive in this match in particular, yeah. He's and I think, sorry. yeah, generally uh, in terms of his season, it hasn't been too bad. I felt like he's definitely improved from last season. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's not being consistent enough in terms yeah. of his game contribution. So, um, again, Sampdoria, obviously we know they've been already relegated. I think it was interesting I, for me. What stood out was Giroud's hat trick because that, when I looked at his record as well, like he hasn't scored in over a month. He hasn't yeah, scored yeah. in over a month, so that was some big slog for him. So, for him to get this is probably a lot of confidence. It's a shame this game didn't happen a few weeks ago because I think going into that <laughs> Champions League semi final side, I think that would have been a different game completely. Um, but also, I have to say, kudos to Zanoli. Um, the way he oh. set up that uh, equalizer for Quagrirellera. I mean that that take as well for the man that's likely to retire at the end of the season, right? So, final um, eighteen yeah. seasons in a row he scored in the Premier League in the uh, Cagliano.
2: Eighteen, it's incredible, it, isn't it? Insane. I was really, so happy incredible. to see him get a goal. I was just like, yes, that's <laughs> it. It's all been worth it because has yeah, <laughs> scored a goal. Scored his goal. We needed that. We just needed that at the end. Um, that Giroud. Hat trick. It wasn't pretty, was it? It definitely wasn't pretty. <laughs> it was quite rough
0: somehow, to be fair. I don't know what he was doing for the third one. It was kind of behind him, but he was kind of flicking it in, wasn't he? It's was just so it felt weird. like he
2: was like manhandling the defender as well. It <laughs> felt like a really, really he wanted that goal. He wanted the hat-trick. He said he well, was
0: desperate, wasn't
2: he? It's what I've said about Giroud. He goes on these mad slumps. Ask any Arsenal fan. When we were going for the league against Leicester, he just decided to stop scoring. You know, <laughs> So he does go on these (laughs) loot on these dips where he just doesn't score, and then he'll score beauty after beauty after beauty for a run again. I think, yeah, he's just had a very bad time drought again. Um, Mm. but huge, huge win for Milan. They needed this so much. Like, I think if they dropped points to Sampdoria, who have been the worst (laughs) team in the league this year at home, I think it would have been maybe purely wouldn't have seen the season out. Like, it would have just been (laughs) it would have been sacks, yeah, yeah. So I think. It was a huge huge win. Getting those five goals just gives you that bit of a boost going into the last game. It puts yeah. pressure on Inter, who are away to Napoli and do have a mm-hmm. rough game coming. And it does put in, it puts Milan back in contention with Europe now. Yeah. And they're in fourth on 64 points, three points ahead of Atalanta. Like that, is a monumental win for Milan. It's mm-hmm. honestly honestly huge because the season could have really really petered out and we said it on the previous show they have to be careful. that It doesn't um they have to be really careful it doesn't. So yeah, big result for the Rossoneri, but on the other side of the city, um Inter took the trip to Naples um awesome. and it was pretty rough watching for Inter, I think. Um, from what I saw, the Inter fans really, really wanted Gagliardini off the pitch. Um, yeah. And even Ossomen looked gutted when he got sent off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen the picture,
0: Ossomen, like, in his hands. Yes, like, we got it for the promo need... of this. It was <laughs> yeah, just Yeah, like... no,
2: we need this guy. We need this guy absolute disaster class from him he could have been sent off about three or four times as well i Mm. think like he threw he threw himself into a few tackles which were asking for trouble um do you think that's where was it the
0: turning point of the game do you think it was fairly even at that point i think it was still even thereafter but it probably Mm. didn't help that he kind of was sent off i think if you think if he was taken off perhaps by Inzaghi, replaced mm. by one of the other options on the bench, I'm sure it would have given like Inter a chance. I think yeah. they weren't out of this. And I think Napoli have been really poor of late. Since they've won mm. that kind of Aussie Scudetto, they've not been unusual usual sales. Um well, I'm sure we're going to speculate about it in a minute. But yeah, there seems to be a lot of things behind the scenes, a lot of speculation on certain players, whether they'll still be there they don't seem as coherent as they were at the beginning of the season, unfortunately. And it's just a shame it's kind of come to this natural end, if that makes mm. sense. It feels like they're just waiting for the seasons now to just boil over now and just finish it off because it feels like all of that hysteria and hype around this squad has now just gone by the wayside. And But the only good thing I'd say is Di Lorenzo's goal was magnificent, oh. was incredible. Um you know, And the, an other,
2: th- the spin for yeah, Anguissa in the finish was unbelievable as well. Because
0: that was quite tight, because you're talking, what, 70th minute before, mm-hmm. like, Zelinski ch- kind of gets the ball through to Anguissa, and he just turns and manages to smash it past Ornana. Um, but even, yeah, the last goal, uh, Giovanni Simeone like, with Politano just exchanging it, you know, that was literally like the fifth minute of injury time at the end. So it was just finishing, putting a final nail in the coffin for Inter. So I don't think there's anything to be glum about for Inter, but it's just more... Just one of those days. One of those days. And yeah, yeah, better quality on the pitch. You see a different result, I think. so. um,
2: Yeah, I did want to give a shout out to Lukaku, though. Um, He has now got six goals in his last five Serie A appearances. Six goals and three assists. Like, he's coming up big at the end of this season. And I think if Inter, if anything happens for Inter in this final, he's gonna be he's gonna have a say in it. Like I just feel like mm-hmm. he's really, really hitting his form at the minute. So it's good to see him get his goal, even if it was ultimately a consolation. Um for Napoli, we've been talking about how this is a real opportunity. This is a chance for them to yeah. you know seize power and seize control of Seria and build something and build around these exciting young players like Fada and Osimen, and yeah. get a bit of excitement. No. It's all no. fallen apart, and the season hasn't even ended. Also, I'm going down. I think I said it, but I'm going down to Naples at the end of the month, and I'm already thinking it's going to be a morgue. It's not going to be a yeah, party. It's not, not going to be like, safe. We timed it wrong. We've missed it already. Um, yeah. So, if you've not seen um, Spalletti versus De Laurentiis, so I said it before. De Laurentiis mm-hmm. is afraid of not being the main character. Um, he needs to be the center of attention. And what has he done? So, it seems that Spalletti received an automated email to tell him that his contract had been extended by a year, so they triggered the automatic extension. Now, beyond doing this without talking to someone being a dick move, um, what is also the issue is that now Spalletti would have to quit, and in his contract is if he quits, there's a a non-compete clause for a season so that he can't take a job without Napoli's say-so. Now, I don't know if this is just in Italy or if it's Europe or worldwide, mm. but it means that basically Spalletti would be forced unemployed for a year at least, or he just stays at Napoli.
0: Yeah. So
2: it feels like De, De Laurentiis, in not wanting to have a conversation, because I think if he just sat down and said to Spalletti, we want to trigger your, your, your extension, yeah. he might have said, no, I want more money, but I don't think he would have turned around and said, no, I'm leaving. Yeah, I don't think that would have would have been said. So maybe De Laurentiis is just being a prick and trying to save money and thinking yeah. I'll just get him anyway and just save a bit of cash. But now Spalletti has come out and we know what type of person Spalletti is. He seems like a very honourable, polite yeah. gentleman who plays by the rules and you know does everything properly. He's now said if I can't give this city everything it deserves and I don't want to be here, like my mind has been made up, and he hasn't said. Well, he hasn't said what his decision is. He's just said his mind has no. been made up. Which mm. is very, very good management, I suppose. Or yeah. is it, does it just leave more like do you think if he turns around to the players and goes, Right, I'm leaving, they're like, right, boss, two last games, we're gonna like go out on our shields. Or do you
0: think this confusion just makes it worse? I think the whole way that the Laurentis has managed this has been poorly done. And it just makes it more of a, like a dickish move towards the end of the season, which should have been a nice moment for not just obviously Spalletti, but also the whole club and everyone involved. So especially uh, the context that I got was also that Spalletti wanted to discuss about transfer targets, you know, how they're going to evolve this team and etc. But it feels like he's not going to have a say in that regardless. De Laurentiis is, his own agenda right so he knows he's got some prized assets right now minje uh, ossimen and kafarat skeli are going to be the key ones and you know probably zolinski is going to be another one because and Guiso you know, is going they, to have a lot of people looking at him yeah exactly so there's going to be a lot of players moving on i i suspect and that's going to just create this turmoil again where this club they reach those heights, they got the scudetto, and then that squad gets depleted, gets replaced by maybe not so good quality players, perhaps going forward, and then Spalletti is going to be either that man to kind of drag it and maybe just not care until his contract ends, or he's forced out by Di So I, I just. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because De Laurentiis is also rumored to have been looking at other coaches already. So he's already looked at, as you mentioned earlier, Deserbi was one of them. I think Conte has Klopp with. has been linked. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp it. was a classic one. You dream on, yeah. Rafa Benitez was another one. He he was contemplating bringing him back to Naples. I mean, he wants a stick. yes, Man doesn't He, he wants yeah. a yes, man. That's he what wants. he wants.
2: Him. And the problem is as well. For Napoli, it's not only the fact that their manager's now leaving, they've just it looks like they're losing their sporting director to Juve, yes, yeah. Like, so the guy who's been there for eight years, I'm gonna get his name right, Juntoli, I think the name is, yeah. Um, like that. it looks like he's gonna be Juntoli, yeah. It seems that he's moving on to Juve after eight years in charge. Obviously, they need mm. to um replace Paratici, so yeah, exactly. who better than the person who's just won the Scudetto and built a club from the ground up, basically. Um Depressing, depressing times for Napoli. They couldn't even let him like uh, enjoy the summer. They couldn't yeah, even let him exactly. just enjoy the summer. It just feels exactly. so honestly. This weekend in Napoli now, I'm just like, oh, it's gonna be proper shit now. Everyone's just gonna be really pissed <laughs> off. Grumpy be and really shit. Angry and throwing shit at the stadium, throwing scooters like, at each other, basically. <laughs> they? But scudetto guys, like yeah, nobody cares anymore. Like it just seems it's a really sad way for this to end. And I think this is. Like, when people ask me, again, when people ask me why do Napoli fans not like the De Laurentiis despite everything, it's because of this. Yeah. It's because of this. It's just, he's absolutely ruined what could have been an incredible summer for them of just basking in glory and Spalletti building. And it just seems like mm-hmm. a really shit way for it to end. Because we knew that there was going to have to be departures. We're not stupid. Course, like, Napoli fans yeah. aren't stupid. They know that Awesome going to go. They know that Min is probably going to go. But... There could have still been this, like, yeah, but don't worry, we're going to replace him. We're still building something. Now it's like, oh, yeah. we're starting from square one again. Like, with a manager mm-hmm. who's probably, I don't know, yeah. isn't leaving Brighton. Klopp yeah, not, not isn't not leaving Liverpool. Like, who else do you go out and get? Ancelotti again? Like, who are, you, who are you waiting to bring in? I don't think there's anyone there at the moment who's better than Spalletti for Napoli. No, like, I mean, like,
0: like I say, it would have been Conte's one option, but I don't think Conte would join that in the club. south. Not, not, I can't no. see
2: him in the south of Italy, no, honestly. No, not in exactly. Naples, Naples. No,
0: of course not. Um, but then you think about the qualities of Italian coaches. Would Di Laurentiis go to Udinese for Sutil, or perhaps, mm. for example, Palladino and what he's done at Monza? I mean, These are the probably type of players or coaches that he would go and try and entice, but I can't see it happening. Can't see those coaches going, do you know what? Napoli is a good option. Yes, it's probably a good career progression in that sense. It's a bigger club, right? Um, But I think the first moment that it all goes tits up, they'll be the first people out the door as well.
2: So Mm. yeah, I can't see it. Yeah, I think it's an an interesting one, isn't it? Because I still think, I still think if, if Napoli knock on Fiorentina's door and say we want Italiano, Italiano says yes.
0: Because it's mm. Napoli. I still think yeah. there's like a there's a thing. And, and that, he looks like Spalletti as well, right? And he so. loves it. Yeah, you want you want,
2: you know it's not in. Just yeah. squint, squint, and it's still in. Like, just grow a little bit, mate, and you'll be fine. Like I think, I, think, I think like there's still a thing about it being, I think they could they could they could poach another manager from Serie yeah, I don't think they go in abroad and get in. Like, when I saw that Jurgen Klopp thing, I, like, laughed out loud. I was like, Who the <laughs> "What is he on, that bloke? Um, it's not happening. Um, But, yeah, sorry, Napoli fans. A bit of a shit way. Even though you won 3-1, great to get back to winning ways. Yeah. Um, For the first time in their history, we'll finish on a bright note. For the first time in their history, Napoli have beaten all of the 19, 19. other teams yeah. in a Serie A season. Incredible when you think about it unbelievable beating every other single oh, I know. team absolutely undisputed incredible. champions undisputed and we're still going to look back and enjoy this season in our season uh review because it has been absolutely glorious i just wish awesome men would start scoring again because i've spent a lot of money on you, <laughs> mate, and you've done absolutely sod all, sod all. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> horrific um Man, we- and said. I was going to say, should we end on a high? Because uh, Empoli are winning 4-1 now against Juventus. And it's full-time. It's just gone full-time.
2: 4-1. My days. And still, (laughs) Marin doesn't score. The fact is absolutely killing me, honestly. (laughs) I'm praying for a miracle and it's not happening. Uh, It's not happening, is it? Um, Well, that was nice. Uv losing (laughs) 4-1. Bloody hell, that is... Incredible. Um, But we do need to go to, because we need to give him his props. Um, Immobile reaches 200. Mm-hmm. He reach, he joins an incredible club since 2004. Only two other players in Serie A have had 200 goal involvements for one
0: club. They are, Adam? Juventus?
2: No, the players.
0: Oh, players. Gold. Oh, sorry. Uh Di Natale and Totti. Exactly. Francesco and Tony Christmas. Yes.
2: What an incredible club to to join. And of course, Immobile does it through a penalty. Because in classic Immobile... debatable
0: penalty as well. I don't know if you saw the penalty. dive. It was quite it, classic.
2: It was Immobile. a bit of a soft wasn't it? I feel like Messina throws
0: his leg out, doesn't he? And he definitely kicks him, but he
2: but not pulls not his leg out evaluation. as well.
0: Yeah, Do you remember, I don't know if you remember, but in my school days, uh, we used to take the Mick, you remember when the Italians were famed for like kind of diving and making out that they got yeah. hurt and doing the actions rolling over and stuff. That was basically what Immobile did there. Yeah. So it's just clever yeah, engineering yeah. by Immobile's side of things. But yeah. Fair play to the guy. He got an incredible record. And yeah, I don't know how he's gone about it because I can't remember half those <laughs> goals he scored. I, remember. I, I couldn't tell goals. A lot of them have been like, a lot of tap ins, haven't they? Or penalties. But what,
2: yeah, I you have to say, even this year, and he's been injured for 90%. Yes. He's got like 17 goals or something. 12. It's like 17 goals, I think. Something 12 like that. goals. Yeah, yeah. He's still hit mad numbers. Like, yeah, the guy just works. Hey, it just. Works except when he's in an Italy shirt. But for Lazio, this was a rough first half for them. I feel like it was really not mm. a great performance. Udinese were kind of coming into it. I thought Udoje had a really, really good game until he yeah. was taken off. I was really impressed with Samadzic, again, another player who's super exciting at Udinese. I thought they were getting, I thought, okay, Udinese can get something out of this. Second half, Sani must have given them an absolute bollocking because <laughs> they came out and they were just a completely different <laughs> team. I thought Luis Alberto completely ran the game second half was popping up everywhere with his little through balls and dribbling past players and was really hoping he'd get a hat trick but he didn't the prick and then he just (laughs) but i thought he really really absolutely ran the game and i was really impressed with that's your second half they were playing beautiful stuff right
0: they were. They were absolutely pinging about. And you could sense that there was something going to happen. And luckily they managed to get that penalty. But yeah, even thereafter, Sergei Malinkovic-Savage is doing his little pivots. He's running yeah. on things. So again, it's something to be excited for if you're a Lazio fan. But uh, the one bit that I wanted to pull out of in addition to Immobile was the contract talks with Luis Alberto. It feels like he's going to reject it and potentially yeah, yeah, yeah. move on. It's been rumoured to another Serie A club. So it wouldn't surprise inter? me. If, We're just linking yeah, everyone to
1: I, inter. It,
0: <laughs> it sounds like an Inter signing, doesn't it? To be fair. Free transfer. Just give him yeah. some wages. <laughs> he'll be fine. Yeah. Plays guaranteed in Champions League, right? So, um yeah, I wouldn't surprise me. Like, you know, he'd probably replace Mikitarian, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's not I a bad can see could see that, yeah. but then again, I could see him a big at big summer guys. I could see him, him at, at really Milan. I could see him at the Rossoneri mm. as well. That'd be a yeah, fascinating yeah, that's true. signing as well. So yeah. no, that's very good. That's
2: player. very very true. But do, it does feel like Sadi's still. I'm intrigued to see Lat third season Latio under Sadi. I'm intrigued to see what mm. they do this summer. And I think we've seen Sadi slowly building in the progress up, and kind yeah. of the more signs of Sadi ball and the kind of the yeah. incredible performances against like their rivals and some big wins and some like, some goal, the games where they've scored quite a few goals and you're like, oh wow, yeah, this is like, and good. just that third season, it should really start kicking on. So I think if they get a few signings in the summer, I'd still be looking at another striker, maybe improving the defence a little bit. Um, I think Romagnoli's been really good under the mm-hmm. but I still never yeah, quite yeah. trust him. I still don't <laughs> quite trust him. Um, I think you could still do some, do some a bit more solidly at the back. Maybe someone to help Milinkovic-Savic in midfield a bit more strength in the so, midfield, yeah. but I think there are a few additions just away from being a real force. So it'll be interesting to see who Sadie is able to bring in. We know Latito yeah. doesn't like spending money, so he's going to have to do it on the sly. <laughs> but I think next season we could really see Lazio challenging because they play some yeah. beautiful stuff on their day, and it's um, yeah, they they showed signs of it this time. Udinese, classic Udinese. They had nothing really to play for. They no. showed a bit of fight. They had moments of quality, but ultimately just kind of faded away in the game. I never really felt like, even at 1-0 towards the end, it never really felt like they were going to score. It was just Mm, more Lazio kind of pushing, I think. It didn't really feel like Udinese were capable of doing much. So I think Sotil's done an incredible job there. Really, really had a very good season for them. Um, But another team where players could be disappearing this summer. I don't expect Samadzic and Beto to both be there next year. I think one or both of them are going to go. But yeah, good stuff for Lazio. So in Serie A, that kind of leaves it all pretty tight at the top. We've got Lazio second on 68 points, Inter third on 66, Milan fourth on 64, Atalanta fifth on 61, and Roma sixth on 60. Juve seventh on 59 (laughs) with the points deduction. We need to talk about the points deduction. Um, So I don't know what's happened here. It looks like, Serie A have just, or the FIGC have just waited to see exactly yeah. how many points will kick Juve out of the Champions League. Yes. But if Juve win their next two games, they can still make the Champions League. Yeah, but exactly. UEFA have banned them from European competition anyway.
0: Yeah. So, so- it feels like they've got everything <laughs> thrown at them anyway. So it doesn't really matter in a grand scheme of things.
2: Is this. Is this FIGC, like, wimping out of a decision and being like, oh, we can just look like we're doing something, but actually they're banned anyway, and we don't actually have to punish them? Or is this, as Juve fans are going to say, FIGC targeting Juve and saying, we're punishing only
0: you for this. Like, which side of that are you falling on? Because I'm so confused as to what's going on. I'm still of the opinion that um, there should have been harsher repercussions for Juventus because Mm -hmm. we're not just talking about like a subtle kind of cheating as we're used to with Juventus. This is kind of a blatant and obvious kind of piece. And the fact that you've got these directors all being suspended for a minimum of two years kind of tells you what you need to know about this story. Um, So, yeah, it feels like they're wimping out, but they're dishing out a proportionate ban, which may be, I don't know how you feel, if you feel this is the way, but I'm re- I've read the statement from the Juventus, which feels like they're reading the, um, the penalty to understand yeah. if it's appealable, to understand. Yeah. And do you remember the first kind of 15 points deduction was uh, applied, then taken off them? Well, I feel like this was deliberately done at 10 points just to make sure it wasn't harsh enough so that it could appeal against it. Because it still leaves them with the opportunity yeah. to do it whatever they need to. Ah, Plus, okay, haven't yeah. delayed it's your it to fault you didn't qualify, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so yeah, it yeah. feels like it's one of those decisions. But I, I don't think that's the right thing to do. They should have just given them thirty points deduction. You know, get them relegated out of Serie B or Serie A, and you know, let them go into Serie B again. Because yeah, unfortunately, he seems to be cheats and they uh, prosper from yeah. that. So they shouldn't yeah, be in yeah. that position. But it does. Let's put it this way, there is some wider issues because it's not just Juve, right? There's a few other clubs that need to be careful.
2: And this is what we need to be like. I know we don't like Juve on this on this show, but we do need to be relatively level-headed with it and level-handed with it. I think there are a lot of other clubs involved. Napoli mm. are involved. Um, yep. I think to to a lesser extent, but Roma are involved. I think Milan are involved. I think there's, you could probably yeah, there's list every clubs. team in Serie A and say they're involved at this point. <laughs> um, but as always, Juve are the biggest culprits of it. I think, um, yeah, I think that we. This isn't the only punishment, though. Like, there's punishments yeah. coming next season. And I think what yeah. ahead of next season, we might see the big punishments. We might see Juve starting in Serie B, to be honest, because I mm. think um, it needs to be heavy-handed. It just needs to be heavy-handed because... Th- especially I don't know if every club's doing it you can't relegate everyone can you? Do you just replace 30 no. hours there you're being safe right start again like, <laughs> but I feel like one, if you've got the biggest culprit and they are the biggest club in Italy and they are the ones that consistently cheat you do just have to make an example of them mm-hmm. and for Juve fans you just have to take your medicine I'm sorry but you will be made up. an example yeah. of because that's what your club did that's what they've done so and yeah as you said if your directors are up in criminal court not like Cass yeah. like criminal court it means that something really, really was um, really was going on. So, yeah, unlucky Juve, I suppose. You didn't help yourself by losing 4-1 to Empoli tonight. I'll be honest. <laughs> so it's partly your own fault. Um, <laughs> you are still a little bit shit. And it seems like Vlavic is already off. His agent is making every noise now um, to oh, get him yeah. out of that club. He's been linked to United, he's been linked to Chelsea, he's been linked to Arsenal. They're praying for that Premier yeah. League money. So we'll see what happens there. But, guys, we do... Very quickly before we go, we need to preview. We've got a big game midweek. We've got a very big game midweek. Coppa Italia final into taking on Fiorentina. Both these managers leading their teams to two cup finals. How do you see this one going? I think it could be a really, really
0: entertaining game. I'm really looking forward to it. It's different, isn't it, Rory, to see Viola Mm. there as well. Like kind of the form that they've been displaying of late... um, Yeah, I I feel this could be a bit more of an interesting game than what Inter have been used to in the last few years. But I still expect with the kind of quality that Inter have, not only on the first 11, but also to bring off the bench, I suspect they've got more than what Fiorentina have to offer personally. That's my way of thinking. But if Inter have a bad day and and Fiorentina are on it, then you never know. We, we could see Luka Jovic scoring in the final, um, but no, seriously, it's probably going to be <laughs> someone else, isn't it, to be honest? Uh, but it would be funny if Beragi Beraghi, the left back, was to score because he's obviously yeah. ex-Inter. so uh, It could yeah. be. Can There's a bit of
2: narrative there. Well, the first game yeah. this season where these two faced off was in Florentine. It was 4-3 to Inter. Um, mm-hmm. Mkhitaryan getting a 95th-minute winner. After Jovic, the very man, yeah. put Fiorentina level in the 90th minute. They did manage to throw it away, and Inter won 4 3 And then the last game in Milan, in Milan, Fiorentina won 1-0 with the Bonaventura goal. That was only yeah. back in April, so it wasn't that long ago when Inter were going through that terrible run of form. Yeah, Everyone was really man, pissed man. off that Bonaventura got that header to secure the win. <laughs> so I feel like it's a very, very even game. It, like yeah. this could go either way, and I think Fiorentina, this is their like you know, the first chance to make history, um, the first chance mm. to start an incredible season. I think if they win one final, then they go into that second final going like this is what we do, let's yeah. go. Whereas if they lose this final, maybe psychologically it feeds into it a bit, puts a bit more pressure on it. I don't know, it'll be a really interesting one. But I'm gonna say Lukaku scores. I'm gonna say
0: Lukaku. Scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, either it's, that or It enough.
2: feels. Yeah, it feels Mm. that way. And in the Premier League, we do have a couple of matches. Um, There is, yeah. We've got Man City are finally playing their game in hand, so that's nice. Um, We'll be able to see if they (laughs) they actually take advantage of Arsenal. Um, Man City are playing again away to Brighton on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And Man United, Chelsea. Chelsea. Now, Man United still need a win here to make sure that they can properly Mm. secure um, Champions League football. They're currently three points ahead of Liverpool. If they win this... They've guaranteed themselves Champions League. Chelsea are now... How long is it since they lost? uh, Since they won? Okay, two. That's not too bad. Um, How do you see this one going at Old Trafford? This is going to be another United win. Chelsea lost, right? I...
0: Yeah, I'm expecting Man United to win this. And if they don't, then they've only got themselves to blame because then it yeah, co- yeah. it could be really on, right? It could be really, really on. Yeah. Um just trying to work out who Liverpool's last game is against and it's against Leicester uh no, not Leicester, sorry, Southampton. So it's Southampton Oof. they've got to play. So yeah, that. I mean imagine if it does go to the last day of the season. I can't see it personally <laughs> though now. No, I um, can't see it. Well as much as I'd love it just purely to wind up Andy. That'll be quite funny. Um, I do
2: feel like, I need to check this though, I do feel like United-Chelsea games are always horrifically shit though. I feel like the last few have all been nil-nils. Oh no, 1-1, 1-1, 1-1, nil-nil, (laughs) nil-nil. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the last five have been draws. Um, Maybe don't stay up to watch this one.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Yeah, so obviously Liverpool are hoping Chelsea win, Right. So just yeah, give them yeah, a chance. Yeah. yeah, I can't see it happening. I, think, I can't see yeah, it even. Myself. It'll be a draw, won't it? It'll be a draw, but yeah. that'll be enough. That'll be enough. So yeah. I cannot see it. Well,
2: guys, we are finished for today. I think we've covered everything. I did want to do yes. some um, under twenty World Cup chat, but I think we've run out of time. It just very quickly, Casadei yeah. is absolutely unbelievable um, for Italy. Mm-hmm. Chelsea have got yep. a hell of a player there, and Scully, Arsenal. Youth product scored an absolute banger for England as well. If you've not seen it, search that one out. Unbelievable goal. Skelly, not Scully. Sorry, Skelly. Um, Yeah, so keep an eye on the under-20 World Cup because two very decent teams there. Adam, anything to say before we go?
0: No, but just to echo, the Italians also had a fantastic result against the Brazilian Mm under-20s recently. Baldanzi, Parfundi also performing quite well. So keep an eye on those two. Um and Poland's under 17s I've probably tweeted it a few weeks ago, but yeah, they've been playing oh. mesmeric football as yeah. well. The bang against that, the Republic man. of Ireland was just incredible. So uh, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. unbelievable. Please promote them into the first 11. <laughs> That's why Miknievich was coach, right? He was protecting. Just get him, the in, his under- get him
2: in his youth coach, he will beat <laughs> it out of him freaking up. will stop
0: all that fancy stuff. Um, well,
2: guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, as always, if you are watching on YouTube, hit the like, mm. hit the subscribe button, tell a friend, etc. You can follow us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod on Instagram at AngloItalianPod. Um, yeah, tell a friend, and we will see That's you it. on Friday to discuss Coppa Italia final. Bye, guys. Yes. Ciao, ciao. ciao.
1: Podcast Network.